if you train yourself to to achieve on a high level, right, you'll now have that muscle built, right? Mm -hmm. Most people wait for their passion, something inspiring to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to become that person then, yeah. right? And then when your passion comes, you're not even capable of taking advantage of it yeah. at a high level yeah. because you haven't trained yourself to be able to achieve yeah. to that extent. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Work and Play podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have the crazy, crazy, crazy brand man, Sean Taylor, here to join me for a crazy cool conversation. You notice I had to like, I had to use the correct name. I know we peoples, but yeah. I still got to come correct with the I name. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate you for being here. Yeah, for sure. It's a nice little setup you got here. <laughs> It's lit, right? Yeah, I gotta step mine up now. Look, oh, I'm learning. Look, so just know that this is all we are cross sharing things in advance. All right. All right? So, um, really happy for you to be here. You know, on the Work and Play podcast, I love just having great conversations with my friends about the cool things that they got going on, their career journeys, and what kind of things are in store in the future. So, without further ado, would you like to in introduce yourself? All right, cool. Sean Taylor. AKA brand man, Sean, as you alluded to earlier. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, generally speaking. Specifically, I have two companies, one called Brand Man Network, where we serve artists through educating them and providing an environment where they can connect, collaborate with other artists, mm -hmm. but also get advice from music industry experts. Okay. All right. And in that environment, the whole idea is for them to be able to build themselves up to from ground zero right into having an established fan base and established career something that's more sustainable now on the other end we work with higher end clients typically for our bigger budgets we um, i have an agency called contra brand agency and this agency we're either uh, we can work with artists who are ground zero but they got to have a like a lot more money right because mm -hmm. we're we're the agency that's doing the work putting it all in for you mm -hmm. we can teach that information in the other company but we, we're uh, working with major labels uh, quite a few pretty big artists that uh, that people know, and then you know artists from all the way t to the top, all the way down to the bottom. Dang! So you have really set your empire to go from small to big, which is what a lot of us entrepreneur entrepreneurs really want to do. Like we want to mm -hmm. we want to serve the big clients and the small clients. Yeah. So how did you start small and go big, or did you start big and then go small? I say I started small because I started off with a YouTube channel. Right. Um, and then as I just start this uh, realized the opportunity in the YouTube channel, I was like, all right, let me just try out some business. I was just doing consultations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't like having a, a random phone conversation that then I had no idea if the results like happened or not. Mm -hmm. like, no kind of follow up. And eventually from there, I was like, yo, man, let me how can I how can I. Like watch people's results. How can I help them get a an environment that's going to keep them on track? 
because I knew I wasn't a manager. That's just not my personality. A huge part of all this stuff when it comes to entrepreneurship is knowing your personality, being very self-aware. I was like, nah, I can't. Like, I've seen managers, like, you know, wake up, like, get out of bed. Like, I'm not that guy. Like, it's like, this is for you. You know, I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's a wrap. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I came up with the concept of Brand Man Network where I could have more of a community and more of a guided process that's a little bit, it's not school exactly, but it is course driven mm-hmm. at its core mm-hmm. and things have evolved from there. Um, so, but at that, I'm somebody who doesn't like to, to like be full of BS. I, I don't know if you can curse it, so I'll just say it like that. Because cool. at the end of the day, when you're talking and you have this social, social uh, following, at some point, I feel like if you're talking all the time, you're going to be full of it. You're going to be lying. Like if you create videos just to create videos, particularly if you're in like education or something, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe commentary or something. But like, you know, if you're doing just creative content, funny, that's a little different. But like, because there's only but so many truths. Yeah. And people want some more sauce, new sauce. And I have to be like, yo, bro, there's no more sauce. <laughs> you're like, this is it. You got you to gotta do it. Mm-hmm. So um, to make sure I stay educated in my space, and continue to grow that's what one of the reasons that i looked at the agency because i'm actually remaining a practitioner right or and then building a company where we stay at the forefront of the research and everything necessary all the new tactics what actually works have we have the budgets and the client base that actually can make the research happen mm-hmm. and then that continues allow uh, allows uh, us to fund educating the marketplace and yeah. making sure that we have this validity and say hey no we did this for real this is just some theory i didn't just watch some other videos or i didn't like come up with some plan that sounds great this mm-hmm. is really what we're doing and we're getting real results people are paying us a lot of money for this you just need to follow these steps right implement because when you say there's no more sauce, it's not that there's no more sauce up here, but there's no more sauce that you can capitalize on until you implement the first couple of steps that 100%. I gave you. <laughs> 100. I got the, you. That's the game right there. I really okay. I, I got you. So one, congratulations for that hundred k subscriber hey. mark on YouTube. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. That is so dope, and it's the pinnacle of a lot of like influencers for who, who want to go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. First of all, myself because I'm just now getting on YouTube. I'm getting into this space. But it's also dope to see that you created an empire, one around something you enjoyed that, that might seem like a hobby on the face on the face of things. But then you, you established an organization for one, the client, and then created an, an um, infrastructure around it, around the client so that they can grow. And then you went bigger and started to help agencies do the same thing, which ultimately informs the client who wants to be that big brand. Yeah. So yeah. if I get it right, you um, help artists. Mm-hmm. Who want to build their brand and want to be, you know, the next Soldier Boy, right? Soldier Boy is hilarious, but hey, Soldier Boy got stats and he made money for it. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. We gonna stick with Soldier. Yeah, so because from a business perspective, um, I'm, the way I look at uh, Soldier Boy is he used his social following to build a brand, and mm-hmm. even if people hate on his music, his strategy, his business strategy, and the way that he, he gets around his community is bulletproof Uh, he's still at the forefront of a lot of a lot of uh social media in terms of using certain things we all know that he popped on youtube and used that and capitalized way more than uh well he he was the one who did that first now like even for artists at his level he's using tiktok better than a lot of artists are using tiktok 
So, like, yeah, Soldier Boy, he showed throughout the years that he knows how to keep a pulse on stuff and, and pop back up whenever he needs some money or whatever makes him pop back up. Yeah. yeah and the cool that's, thing. That's what we're training him for. That exactly. That's what I was just about to say. That's the you actually teach that. So I've been watching you on your social media. I've been yeah. looking at more of your technical teaching type videos. So it yeah. sounds like that's exactly what you teach your people, your community yeah. to do. So we're gonna get into that. Okay. But um, first of all, well, what what everybody doesn't know is that we. So I know you through my bestie, so uh, Courtney, and Courtney was on the Work and Play podcast. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> and so even though the the name work and play kind of evolved over the years, some of the best times that I remember in in our past was before you went into entrepreneurship and I'm just over there, me and Courtney over there working on our laptops and you were doing your thing. Like you had different endeavors over the years. Yeah. Um, so let's start. I'm curious, when did your bug for entrepreneur entrepreneurship <clears throat> begin? I've always had it. Really? Yeah. Um, I remember being single digits and my mom would be like, oh, you shouldn't say this kind of stuff in public. You'll sound crazy or uh, and um, you're not going to be able to get no job or you need to do this so you can get a job or blah, blah, blah. Now, and I always told her I wasn't going to work at a corporation as I was going to work for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't even know where that came from back then because, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't popping in the 90s. In terms of like everybody wants to be it, that's a that's a newer thing. Yeah. But I always, for whatever reason, said that. And when I think back to it, you know, like I don't understand. Like I feel like you know, it's, it's like man, you were a kid, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like I knew, I feel like I don't know what I was talking about, but for some reason, it was in me. Um, like even I would do little stuff, right? Where I was at, what was it? I was at this school called Kelly Lake, this after school program in Decatur, mm -hmm. and I would draw pictures. And sell them okay right and that was like a nice little hustle a nice little hustle and then i used to love dragon ball z and i drew this dope ass picture of this uh super saiyan version of trunks he's still my first my favorite like looking super saiyan one one particular uh the way his hair is and stuff <laughs> and <laughs> this one kid won it and i was surprised like i killed the picture so much like i was surprised i didn't even know i had that level of drawing in me at that point and this kid wanted it and i was like oh man no, i don't want to get rid of this one right here this one it's hard but he said he had twenty dollars for me all the other pictures were selling for like a dollar i don't know where this little kid got twenty dollars he was younger than me <laughs> i was like six or seven and so he had to be like four or five i don't know where he got 20 from i ain't never heard numbers like that so i was like god yeah i'm gonna get it. I'm, I'm about to get this man this picture and he was like all right yeah, yeah i'll be back it was but it was like over I think it was a few days away. It was like over the weekend. So I was like pacing, pacing, trying to figure out how I could not get rid of this picture. And I came with the idea to just trace the picture and give it to him. All right. So you kept the original. I kept the original. Ah, yeah. look at you, six years old. And then that made me start tracing my pictures and start selling more of them. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh snap, I could just do this with everything. And so I was hustling, selling a lot of pictures, uh, making money there, and then that stopped. Like, that was just a phase in time, didn't mm -hmm. think much of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would do stuff like tell stories for, for money on the bus. Uh, and then I sold candy in seventh grade. Was that seventh grade? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that was seventh grade. Uh, and my dad, he took me to Kroger one day after Halloween. <laughs> 
And uh, everything was on super sale, all the candy, because, you know, Halloween's over. And I was like, man, I never thought of ever becoming a candy man or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But everything was super cheap. And my dad had some extra ones and things like that. So I just got a whole bunch. And I sold, I mean, it was such a short run where I made like $200 in like two weeks or something like that. All right. Profit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but what made me stop was my mom because she found this um my sheet. I had this full breakdown. First of all, you know, technically you're not supposed to be selling candy at school, or whatever. And she's about the rules, you know, that she's always been about the rules. I ain't even about the rules. <laughs> like, like rules are relative to me. But but uh she called me a loan shark and I didn't know what that meant at the time, really. But I kind of understood it later. So what she was talking about was the fact that people, when they didn't have money for the candy, <laughs> I would give, give them a loan. So I had interest on it. And, you know, I guess twenty an extra 25 cent, you know, on 25 cent is 50%. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a crazy loan. But she's like, man, it's small money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, hey, you gouging these kids. So, <laughs> And it was it was pretty like extensive though. Like mm-hmm. I had everything written out. It was now to talk about it. I had a credit system because mm. the loan was legitimately based on how much I could trust people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Wow. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, bro, I don't know. Get this, but let me. All right, so make sure you bring it back fast. Yeah, you to give me this much. You know? How much? How did you, you collect your your uh, debts? Tell me, what was that process? Yeah, you like? know what's crazy about it is. I was always like a you know a little muscular, so I ain't really had that many problems of like getting money back. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I that, and that you know if I, I feel like if I did it for a longer period of time, I probably you know something naturally would have happened at some point. But I really didn't get hit with all that much. Um, yeah. To be to be real, I had no problems. I mean, yeah, there were guys who were bigger than me and all that stuff, but I was pretty respected, so I was. That wasn't no problem. <laughs> and how old were you then? When was this? So this, I mean, seventh grade. Okay. How old you are then? Like, I was like 14 probably. Yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. I was like 13. 13. Yeah, 12, 13, actually. Yeah, yeah so we still. 14 Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. 12, 13 is when you were, you really got like, so this whole ledger thing. So she was upset that you were charging these kids interest on candy. And she's like, how are these kids ever going to make this money back? So she didn't like it. And more importantly, it was just against the rules you're not supposed to be selling okay that's the most important but uh, I, I feel well you never know my mom but like I, I think that that was the most important that's the part that kept me from being able to argue too much with her mm, I didn't it is care about the, the whole loan part and I really didn't understand what she meant at the time for real it was mm-hmm. just like one of those alright mom and I wasn't like oh this is going to be something super serious right. like, alright cool I'm just going to do something else you know okay okay <laughs> so what was that something else what did you do next I didn't do anything for a minute. Um, like, yeah, yeah, it been a good minute. I kind of just went back into my shell, mm-hmm. played sports, uh, you know, went to school, did all, all the good high school stuff. But I always kept up with business because, well, one, I would watch hella infomercials in the mornings. Like, I used to love infomercials. Mm. Pay attention to, like, how they talk to the products and all that stuff. Yeah. And then um, my grandma... You remember how kids would go around and um, they would go around selling magazines and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So my grandma 
bought me a subscription from one of those kids to Fast Company and Ink Magazine. Okay. Because she knew I was in the business. Ink. Yeah. Okay. So I had that since I was like seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. Going into that, she just got it because she knew I was in business. Um, in seventh grade, also, I had my, I saw the infomercial for Rich Dad Poor Dad, and because they were doing like a little telethon type thing, I, and I, Robert Kiyosaki was making sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I rock with this guy. So when my mom was in school, yeah, at the time, so she was studying Barnes and Noble, and I was like, hey, that's that book. And I got my mom to get me that book. So I was just reading, taking in information, studying um, through Ink Magazine, uh, Ink and Fast Company as far as uh, keeping up with businesses and their stories and watching the trajectory over the years. I just read about them like two, three years ago, and now they're here mm-hmm. or there, whatever yeah. that might look like. And then Fast Company and Ink went to, when I started having a little money, I bought some other subscriptions. I would get Forbes and Fortune. Um those are the main ones. Forbes, Fortune, Fast Company, and Inc. were the main ones that I would get consistently and experiment some other ones here and there. Mm-hmm. But like, so that just kept me into thinking, which is like, I feel like one of my strengths now is business models and understanding the limitations and the, the benefits and opportunities presented by a business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think of myself as an architect uh, a lot of times because really the business model all right, um, is this the infrastructure? Yeah. All right, and that creates the environment for so many else. So yeah, you can have like even when I you remember I had Adventure ATL. Right? Yeah. So I thought about that event. All right, and the way I created that, and I came up with the initial concept and all that stuff. But one of my homies was the one who had designed the original room. Okay. All right, but his design, right, and in, in in terms of what should be designed and what made sense, we're all based off of the overall infrastructure okay. and the, I, the concept and things like that right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just the whole model of the event what it was supposed to be yeah so but it's that same idea where if i can if you recognize the business model you'll know what what's happening in the marketplace you'll know how to look at competition you'll know how to um see where things are collectively being uh, moving mm-hmm. and knowing what you should switch up, right? And sometimes you might have to use one business model to get you to one point and another one after that, right? Yeah, it's yeah. all It allows you to just analyze everything a lot better. And I had just watched so many companies, business models again and again yeah. and again, so many cycles mm-hmm. um, and what the outcomes were for, were for different variables. And I feel like that really informs how I think about uh, a lot of things in terms of strategy today. Yeah, that is this that is really amazing. So it's kind of like you started building your Jeff Bezos mind at six <laughs> years old, and by twelve and thirteen, you're reading books that it takes you know twenty five, thirty five, forty five year old people to learn when they leave corporate America. So when you and and I know I'm skipping a bit, but now that you're an entrepreneur, when you went into entrepreneur for yourself full time, was that business part your strength? And then what did you find was a weakness for you um, when it when it came to building a business? When it comes to building a business, definitely understanding the, just what I said, like was that design piece. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, how to build it out, what pieces need to connect, what we need, the type of people we need at the time, mm-hmm. when do we need to move into the marketplace more aggressively, 
right, when do we need to focus on building? And for that, I'm always feeling like I'm behind and like there's this hyper urgency I always have, mm. um, which there's benefits and, and cons to it. But like that's the strength, right? Just understanding what's supposed to be happening and then knowing what needs to be executed to make that happen. Yeah. Right. Um, the weaknesses come with, I personally feel like in management in terms of I'm so, so uh, that urgency again, right? Yeah. Want to move fast, want to move fast, want to move fast. And I'm seeing these, seeing these things. How do I get there? When things are not moving as fast as I want them to, Mm -hmm. right? It feels stressful. Mm-hmm. It gets very stressful in terms of like, yo, why can't everything move faster? How do we move things faster? And figure it out. And it helps me figure things out faster um, and, and make certain connections. But then there's also a, a natural, some things are just going to take the pace that they take. Yeah. Right. And if I, if I didn't have the responsibility or didn't have that strength of moving things that way, it'll be easier for me to like focus on management more mm-hmm. and, and feel like, and feel at least, you know, I don't think I do a horrible job, but I would feel like I'm excelling at it. Right? Yeah. And I could excel at it, but that my natural personality and the way I see things lean more towards what I stated earlier. And that makes it more difficult to truly feed i feel like the team especially when i'm at ground zero mm-hmm. right with my partner versus like we're already at a certain level and we're only hiring people who are hyper experienced and and it's time to go out here and get it mm-hmm. they got super high standards and we're all in this and, and it's like one of those executive board type situations and then y'all go build that line of business y'all go it's not there yet so yeah. it's like the patience yeah all right and many people um I know me for my my lack of patience or whatever or how I can be with standards. But when things aren't at a certain standards, it's just like, like, bruh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, and that makes it really difficult sometimes in management. But there's the beauty of it, though. And I think there's three scenarios. Man- managing a team as a whole, mm-hmm. but even more so, my business partner. Mm-hmm. And then my partner in life. Yeah. All right. Those all force me to check my ego consistently. All right. And I don't, you know, especially in business, people don't probably don't sense it as much of me checking my ego. It's like, you know, in your personal relationship, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a lot more that Constant like, kind of like yeah. bubbles up and it's a lot, uh, you know, and, and the conversations are different. But it's just always like, all right, the, there's a natural competitiveness to me. Mm-hmm. But then always remembering that it needs to be we're competing to beat that goal. Right? And mm-hmm. what helps me do that mm-hmm. and why I don't have as much of a problem with it in business is, as well is because as long as everything is staying focused on the bigger goal, mm-hmm. it is what it is. And I always feel like if, if things become too focused on the inside, it means the, the goal isn't big enough. The vision is not big enough. Mm-hmm. And then if the vision is just not something that makes sense and um, to be big in what we're doing, that means we don't need to be doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, so, yeah, like the management, 
um, is, is one area. The uh, another area is of uh, weakness is um, like writing. So what I discovered is things that you're really good at, or at least relatively speaking, right? Um, or even things that you love doing, you can be bad at, or it could become a weakness in business. Mm. And what I mean by that is you might have multiple things that you're good at, mm-hmm. you know, but some things you're better at than others. Yes. And the way you go about doing some things can become a weakness for the business as a whole. So for me, when I say writing specifically, it takes me longer to write. I, I could write very well, but my process of going about it takes way too long. Okay. Right? Because mm-hmm. I, I get into this perfectionist bag and really think things through and all, blah, blah, blah. So that really, like, it, it really, and I don't even say that to, to be like a uh, one of those, like, half weaknesses. I'm, I'm saying, like, really, it's too a pain. Like, just being like, yo, bro, this taking too long Mm -hmm. and then i'm not getting other things done Mm -hmm. so i have to minimize me doing that period like as much as possible and when i can't uh, when i can just not do it at all yeah like when i'm talking about writing an article or yeah or or scripting too many things out or things like that scripting out videos scripting commercials and all that stuff for other people yeah Um, like because it literally it's a career a very creative space for me I have my very technical, logical side, so yeah. my, um, my brain and my space and how I move in those spaces, mm-hmm. and I can be creative about the bigger picture, but when I'm doing more of a craft, like that is writing, I get into creative, creative, and like, just time is not a thing. And yeah. And you know, you gotta learn how to figure out where you should be. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever done a, uh, strength, a strengths assessment? I did the disc before. Is that what you're talking about? So the disc is is definitely, um, there are various assessments. And um, the disc is, is definitely one. It's kind of a behavioral um, mm-hmm. behavioral science-based assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many other ones. You know, you got your personality assessment. But the strengths assessment, as you talk, you have such self-awareness that, like, I kind of want to touch on a few things that you mentioned as you were speaking. So the strengths assessment is all 34. You have 34 characteristics that are all strengths it's just ranked so you have your top you have your top five and then you have a full list of 34 that you can that are all strengths but they show up differently so even though i asked you the question about your weakness i don't take i don't technically believe in weaknesses but the way you explain it makes a lot of sense so communication could be one of your top 10 right and as you explain it Um, some of the things that you have to watch out for when it comes to communication could be your creative process. Mm -hmm. Because while I have communication as my top five, it's more of an audible communication that I really do well with. Um, But when you think about our blind spots, which would be your explanation of taking so much time in that creative process Mm -hmm. to like actually put work out there, that could then be, it can be your downfall in business. So strengths assessment is typically used in corporate where they try to help you to be a better employee for your company. So if you focus on your, on your strengths, um, that way you'll be a better employee. But I think as an entrepreneur, one of the blind spots that isn't necessarily highlighted from a corporate standpoint, but should definitely be aware of is that perfectionist thing that you mentioned. Because mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you hold up that progress, even though communication is a strength, 
perfectionism is, a, is an underlier there that is a, becomes a, a blind spot or a hindrance to your success. Yeah. So that was one. Another thing I was gonna, so you, you mentioned uh, the patience, the, 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 um, the um, motif of patience, and you also have this activator in you mm. where it's like you can get things done. Like you, once, once we brainstorm and we know what needs to be done, we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's let's get it. So that activator is you're the person in the room that after we're done thinking about it, we need to assign roles. And now I'm going to be tracking progress, um, which you you and like you also have a bigger, a bigger uh, frame of thought, which is futuristic thinking. Um, so when you think about a goal, you're like, OK, what are we moving towards? It's less about the team perspective and what they like and what they desire in the middle of like, okay, we can start that activator and then that futuristic, which is the overall goal, but all the stuff in between. So the people management, the writing, the, the strategic work, the, the nuts and bolts might not necessarily be as enjoyable for you. The, nah, the day to day. It's not because, and it's funny, isolated, many of those things actually can be enjoyable, enjoyable mm -hmm. for me. But because I have this driver for where I want to go and it's holding back for when I want to go with that juxtaposition, it becomes highly stressful for me. Mm -hmm. But like, like I said, writing, love to, like I can do like video editing, love to do it in terms of if I just have nothing else to do and mm -hmm. you do it to the craft and mm -hmm. all this and that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I've done many of those things in the past, uh, in the past before I had a specific uh, business that I really wanted to take to another mm -hmm, level, mm -hmm. and it was just more like you know I'm in college free time. Mm -hmm. um, that was like even why I didn't like programming. I liked I liked to program, mm -hmm. but again I just felt like I, my attention would need to be elsewhere. Um, I, even if I stayed in it, I could have only did it to a certain point where I was like, all right, yeah, I gotta you know focus on moving this thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's um it's interesting. Like I said, it's not some things by themselves it's all things considered some things become less uh, meaningful to, to uh for me even a good example of that of that is um like my sister was surprised at how like much i appreciate and like structure all right mm. um but for me it's a necessity and what and but it's it's, it's counterintuitive to a lot of people and when they think about someone who's like free and all those things, because I'm a very, I like to be free and move. That's why I feel like I'm not even anywhere near my bag in business yet, because we're still so so much in infrastructural system, system and scale mm -hmm. phase. Mm -hmm. But what my sister saw was when we were younger, I'm like, I can disappear. I can be all kind of like, just do whatever. All right. Um, and stay very much so in my creative bag. But what happens is, yo, I get older, and for me, my freedom was all based on having a structure that I appreciate, mm -hmm. so I can be free. It wasn't, you know, some people are just like free, free. That's like, and it doesn't, it can be in absence of structure. But before, I'm the youngest. So I had her to create some kind of structure or mm -hmm. at least try to impose her structure. My mom, <laughs> my dad, whatever that is, yeah. as I go out on my own, mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, okay, just be free, man. This ain't right, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so yeah. then, you know, now um, in business, oftentimes, like I am 
like structure, structure, part of my roles uh, in, in a lot of the things that I'm working on, the, I am in at least the structure, especially initially, yeah. right, to put up systems as is my partner, areas he's working on. And so I know that while I'm doing this, I'm like, I'm not even still in my full area of natural strength yet because I have the ability to do structure very well because of that, like more like detail oriented. I've heard that's like a vertical thing. I don't really mm. know, um, but I've heard that from, I would say people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but my, um, but yeah, so I know like, that's one of the things that kind of keeps me excited as well. Cause I'm like, man, I want to get this down pat and I get to move to the next thing. I'm always going to be doing a structure at some point, but it's like, all right, as I get more and more detailed people uh, oriented people around me who have a standard that they meet a certain standard that I already like yeah. or my favorite people who are like, maybe say, Oh shoot, I didn't even know that could be to that level. And yeah. they put me on to the level we can do stuff at. And mm-hmm. now that's my, the new norm. Um, then I can really start to have more trust and focus on, just the speed of the business, right? Yeah. Uh, but right now, you know, it's it's like different strengths that you have to lean on mm-hmm. and weaknesses that you have to build around at different levels of the business. Yeah, extreme self-awareness. That's what I would say for you right now. Because even as you explain your process, you've been you've been really blessed to build uh, build up that that structure and that business savvy as a creative, which a lot of creative. They, they tend to be those starving artists out there because they have these beautiful minds yeah. without the structure to execute. So, yeah, I would just say I would just say extreme self-awareness. So um, it's very, very clear that you've built this like business acumen and then you have this creative bone, which I think we should pick a little bit more. Um, but I'm, when I met you, you were working at a well, actually, I think it might, you might have been doing Adventure Time at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. And but I know you've also had jobs along the way. So what was what was your like um, career experience? What was your first job like? Maybe not even first job. Yeah. Because <laughs> the one job. So yeah, because because so you said you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? And um, I know for one, I know the one nonprofit that you worked at, and I'm trying to remember the name for Europe. the life of me. Europe. Mm-hmm. When did you say okay? I know I want to be an entrepreneur, but I need to get get on this track of getting getting myself a job and getting a paycheck. What was your relationship to getting a paycheck at that time? Because you, you clearly saw it was necessary. Yeah, I mean, there's a practicality about me where I never wanted to be an entrepreneur for the sake of being an entrepreneur. Okay. I didn't even think as heavily in that term a lot of times. I needed something that I wanted to build. Hmm. Right? Like, even entrepreneur is a part of the umbrella right but you have some people who are like sales and then you break it down entrepreneur right um or you have people who are like uh more analyst but can also be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. like my core is still like builder artist right and i needed something that i wanted to build to a, a level right? i could have a bigger vision of mm. that i um that I could focus on, and I never had that. Mm. Right? Like, I've been searching for it. So I, well, yeah, I tried. So I would do plenty of things and do them pretty damn well, and they'll be like entrepreneurial, but it wasn't anything that I wanted to drive and build. Mm-hmm. So without that, here I am. I mean, this job, you know, I'm in college. I didn't want to. You guys, Courtney, I, I was like, 
tripping out like two, three weeks before I graduated from college because I did not want to graduate. In my mind, like I went to college like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do this because I wanted to play football. That okay. was one of the main things. Mm-hmm. But my knee, the ACL thing just made things more difficult. And once I decided to not play football because I didn't want to deal with the politics after I rehabbed and felt like, hey, I should have made that team. Um, I was like, I was like, well, where I leave off? Oh, like after I, I did that, I started focusing on, like, all right, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. All right, in terms of the entrepreneurs, like, because football is the only reason I was in college. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, now that I'm here, I need to hurry and find that idea. Next thing you know. I'm graduating. I'm like, oh shoot! Man. I don't know what else. You still I didn't have the that plan. idea. Yeah, I didn't okay. have the idea. Like, I, I went through so many different types of ideas and mm-hmm. things I considered, but it's always going back to business model, like scalability, um, and and how big can it actually get? I don't want to do anything just to. I didn't want to do anything just to make twenty k a year, thirty k mm-hmm. a year, or whatever. Like I, I could do that stuff on the side, but I mm-hmm. wanted something that I could fight, that I could build. I always wanted to have a company. That's why I'm not just Brian Man Sean, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's not just this uh, YouTube channel I now have. Contraband, you no know, contraband, yeah. Brian Man Network, and I have mm-hmm. a team, right? I have a partner, mm-hmm. so like that's different. So that's why I got to that point. It was like, well, let me just be practical, and I'm always, I always stay low, low, beyond my, um, below my means. Mm. So when it was time to figure out, oh, snap, like, I don't want to go back or I got an idea where I can really scale this out. I already had extra money to focus on. It wasn't always necessarily a lot of extra money, but when people have to turn on that muscle, oh, you got to downsize and all that stuff, I've never upsized. You know what I'm saying? Like You always kept yourself here. <laughs> always, always. I'm, very, I'm, not, I'm not living that far off in mm. terms of financially than what I was 10 years ago in terms of my spending habits and the amount that I'm spending. Okay. So it does. So it sounds like the specific jobs that you've had are not important. It sounds like you did. Well, when I said, let me, let me frame it up. Not important from a, from a sense that you got a job because you, you wanted to like accelerate up the, the, um, corporate ladder or get a certain role or get a certain salary the the purpose of your jobs were actually to continue to keep your juices flowing until you establish a sense of scalability in an idea um i would take it even further Mm -hmm. because the way i approach the jobs or things that i worked on or things i help people with was all about learning Mm -hmm. so yeah i read these magazines and things like that that helps give me a foundation of knowledge but um but that would be really a not too far off from just reading your textbooks in school Mm -hmm. but i also got in there by helping a lot of startups being within a lot of startups hearing the conversations that are being had very early on Mm -hmm. so i pursued and stayed in certain environments Mm -hmm. and the cool thing about startups is you know you could be closer to the ceo Right, who's have who might have mentors that are these already successful investors, and because mm-hmm. they need you mm-hmm. to take less off of them, and they're trying to get a business, they teach you, they teach, they teach, they teach. Right, well, which is what I have to do. Right, we're mm. trying to get you to think more business, like or, or or being far more transparent than 
the CEO of Coke would be doing or, or whatever company mm-hmm. because they're at that stage. But they're in the stage where they need the best people and they need to, and, to, and part of that is giving, um, creating the best people or creating an environment that the best people want to be around, which means the best people, and the best people always want to learn. The best people always want to grow. Absolutely. All right. So you have to create that environment that trains them yeah. and helps them out. So I was constantly in those type of environments where I can take in and soak up information uh, um, ahead of the game. And then on top, so I, and I strategically did that. Like when I, even when I graduated and I chose Europe, right? I, like I, I told myself I was always going to pick a job for what I could learn and what was going to grow me, mm-hmm. not for the money, mm-hmm. especially since I knew where I wanted to be ultimately. Um, and even, even one of the smaller, less meaningful seeming goals when I, um, Europe, like my mom would always send me jobs. And I'd be like, no, no, I don't want to work nowhere, mom. Like, no, I don't care. I'm not trying to work. I told you I'm not trying to work nowhere. Right before college is over, she sends me Europe along with a couple other jobs. And that one, for whatever reason, it stuck. And I was like, dang, because I just wrote a book uh, and I was doing like stuff in the nonprofit world, selling okay. my books to a few people I cut a deal with. Real quick, what was your book about? Like, just give me a, just give me a synopsis. What did you write a book about? So... It was called You Are God, The Three Core Powers of Success. Okay. Um, And it was just basically all the information and things that I studied, codified. Um, And it's a good book, y'all. It sounds like it. Okay. So there's a spiritual layer in there. Okay. I didn't want to take us too Um, far. And I'll say this because people get, people will get um, like deterred by the term You Are God. I remember giving a book to one girl and bruh, she just was like, oh my God. It was like, first of all. I feel like God gave me that title, right? I grew up Christian, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was, it was, it's not like a above or any of that kind of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But, in, and even more meaningful, if people pay attention, well, a lot of people don't actually read the Bible for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus actually says, you are gods at one point. It was important that it was a little G, obviously. You are not the God, mm-hmm. right? But little G. And even if you take the core concept of Christianity, that God is our father, if we are his children, then we must be of, of God. him. We have to be little yeah, gods. Absolutely. Point, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and to me, we are all creators. We create. I'm with it. Right? And that's simple. That's really the, the concept. But then the, the, the substance of it are just about the commonalities and the, the way of thinking that people who achieve success, because you can achieve success um in multiple environments that all have their own unique aspects but the core hey guys it's ariel from the work and play podcast if you're getting any value from this channel and i mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel then i just ask that you do one thing please subscribe subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so i know what other things that you want to see next now let's get back to the episode is the same Mm-hmm. All right. That's mm-hmm. what I always tell people, which is what I did. I, I don't tell people this out of like just theory. If you train yourself to to achieve on a high level, right, you'll now have that muscle built. Right. Mm-hmm. Most people wait for their passion, something inspiring to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to become that person then. Yeah. Right. And then when your passion comes, you're not even capable of taking advantage of it yeah at a high level yeah because 
you haven't trained yourself to be able to achieve yeah. to that extent. Absolutely. I think, and um, I don't know if you follow me here with this connection, but I had another conversation with um, another guest where we were talking about how um, the first half of your life might be spent doing a job, right? But Jesus was a carpenter. We don't te- we don't necessarily talk about his vocation a lot. Yeah. But when we do, 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 and we do the work and we build a consistency and we build a proficiency, I think that's our tool whenever we figure out what our passion is to execute on a passion, to add yeah. value to a passion. Yep. Because we've already lived this life of, of substance. We've already developed a, a, a competency. Right. So I actually a 100 percent love that, like train yourself up that way. When passion hits you, you can do something with that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, you can start whenever, but it makes your life much easier if you do work, work, if, if you execute and allow passion to find you. Exactly. And as, as a matter of fact, bet, check this out. So one of the things that connected with the Europe job was mm-hmm. I told myself after writing a book, I was like, yo, I want to do it. I want to speak 50 times next year. Okay. All right. And then when I saw the job, I'm like, oh, I'll be speaking almost every day. Right. In front of presenting as, as a teacher. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's an even easier way to do it. I don't have to do all the work. It just comes naturally as a part of the job. Right. Okay. And that was just to build that skill set yeah. for myself. Because my, my way of working, I guess that goes back to the self-awareness you, um, you talked about. And actually that same kind of business model thing, except more applying to people is I put myself in an environment mm-hmm. that will make me become whatever I'm trying to become. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus trying to use the willpower all the time, understanding the behaviors like, all right, well, yo, this is perfect. If I just have to do this for the job, it's going to happen naturally versus I got to go hustle, 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 mm-hmm. and then try to maintain my life versus whatever jo- other job I'm doing. Cause yeah. I turned down a job that was making uh, well, actually, I didn't get that first job, but there were there were some jobs, opportunities to sixty to seventy k coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Europe was like forty k, yeah, or whatever. And I had a and I had a conversation with a high up VP. He wanted me to like stay in AT and T and all that stuff. People of color. He was actually Hispanic, but he was like, people of color, bro, really need to get to, get to the money. And I appreciated the conversation, but I knew my path. Right, even when I left Europe, yeah. This lady, I, I love her. I'm not gonna say her name, but she, like she reminded me of Felicia uh, Rashad. She had that old school elegance, man. Just that. Yeah. Oh man, I love her so so much. Just for just for that, I love like you know black women that have that 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 energy, that mm-hmm. old school shit. And um, she was like, hey, you know, a part, huge part of the progress of black people, man, with like education. Like, she was trying to encourage me to get my master's, and I and I also I told her on my exit interview with her that I wanted to um, I wanted to teach a lot of people one day. That was one of our goals. That was all I told her. She said, what, what are you going to do? I was like, well, I just want to, I want to teach a lot of people one day. And she put me onto the edge, like, all right, yeah, you use your masters, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, ah, that ain't, that ain't it. That ain't it. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, lo and behold, I didn't realize when I was doing it initially, but through my YouTube channel, I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. All right now through Bremen Network, I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and it's a lot of people. Absolutely, right? and that number is only growing. So it's it's this weird thing where you have to know how to put yourself in certain environments, but you also have to know like what's going to be more accurate to the path or direction you're trying to go. Yes, and I get better at that 
through time. Yeah. It took me a long time though to have confidence in mm-hmm. like knowing that I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. Versus uh, you know, like oh shoot, I'm lost. Cause I went through a real period where I I was like, bruh, I still don't know the idea that I want to scale. Like you gotta at least do something. Mm-hmm. Which actually talking about environments, I said literally, I just need to stay in something. That's really how I stayed in music for sure. And became, got the ideas that I wanted to. Because I said, I'm not going to leave this environment. How did you find music? Because I think that's the one thing I had never known. When you transitioned from Adventure Time to music, I don't know if I if I understood what bridged the gap between the two. It was just organic. Okay. Um, I mean, Adventure Time was my introduction to the music. Okay. Right? Um, and entrepreneurship was my, always my introduction to marketing. So it was both were out of necessity. To be honest, mm-hmm. music was always like a, a a passion type thing for me. Like, like you don't get no job in music. Like that's it. Never sounded like money. Even money, it just didn't even seem like a career to me. Did you play an instrument? Actually, your sister plays yeah. a bunch, so I can imagine you at least got one of them. Oh, I play like I've I've played around with the keyboard, but uh, and then I played French horn like my sister at one point when I was in a play like middle school or elementary school or something like that. But nah, I didn't. I always, well, I, I forgot I had a guitar in college and I got decent at that for a period, but. Music wasn't going to be. Yeah, like, I, and I always, that was another. I, I loved, in the way I talked about writing, I always wanted to do an instrument like mm-hmm, that, but mm-hmm. it was like, I don't got time to learn this. Kay. I need to get to where I'm trying to go. Like, okay. I've always kind of just thought that way, even pretty young. Okay. But, um, so you said yeah. Adventure Time connected you to music, um, and then you said marketing. It was just a necessity. was a necessity. I always thought <clears throat> marketing mine and all that stuff, but I never thought in the term like I'm a marketer or trying to... It, being the channel and the value that I brought mm-hmm. in terms of the space that I saw and what I happened to be doing when I was helping people mm-hmm. forced me to label marketing and branding. Okay. All right. I hadn't ever thought of it in a structure. It was just what I was already organically doing. Mm-hmm. And my brother and sister are both marketing um, in terms of what they did in college and all that stuff. And so, you know, young and I'm going this way. Like, I wasn't ever trying to market or be a marketer then my brother did music and i'm like hey, ain't no money in that from what i saw and plus like i said i just ne- i literally just never thought about music as a career it was all tech 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 mm-hmm. i did a venture atl to help friends out um because i was helping them with some small events and things like that i was the business guy behind the scenes um and then eventually AT- atl was my creative concept and, oh is it yeah yeah, okay. So when I talk about like the builder and all that stuff and all that and more creative, like, all that like was was me, the entire idea. Now, yeah. for me, that was a that was my my creative, and I didn't do as much business. Yeah. Like, oh. Okay. Like I did, but that wasn't my focus. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I just knew it was going to be like ten adventure times after that. What made you decide not to continue? Well, first of all, um, for for the listeners, Adventure Time was the bombest experience <laughs> I have ever been to. It was the best curated experience where you go into a room and there is um, hip hop. You go into another room and there's like indie. You go into another room, there's art. You go into another room, there's good eats. You got your fun. Okay, it's it's yeah. like. Even from the the vendors having some very soulful of the culture zeitgeist type 
products and energy it was just yeah. the dopest experience so it. yeah and, and we went to so the second one was even better than the first one <laughs> so i just knew we were gonna do like more and more and more so yeah. you made a pivot somewhere what made you decide not to do adventure time anymore um all right so i'll give you a little bit about how it started yeah one i was like in college i remember uh, like people not wanting to do the club environment anymore. Some well, some people. Me, I was that way fast because I always just felt like, bruh, I need it. I'm not successful. What am I partying about? Like successful at least to me and what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so I could never get comes. I always felt like I need to be working on something. Then I went to this art scene. All right, like okay, not in clubs, but I felt like the art stuff was just literally the club with art on the walls like y'all mm -hmm. still got this weird social dynamic where y'all don't necessarily want to rock with other people there's no communal if you think about adventure atl it was very open you mm -hmm. can meet people easily mm -hmm. and like i would see a lot of people end up following each other and all that stuff from that event yeah. right um so like conceptually i wanted that right um, where we thought about it down me and uh, my partner and that thought about it down to like we wanted benches versus individual chairs in mm. certain spaces so you just a little bit forced to be a little bit closer together and how we arrange certain things so it was like all right let's create an environment and then the whole thing we can really i could codify it down to stimulation i felt a lot of events people are so worried about people coming to see them that once they get people there they don't even think about the experience that much. Right. I had this many people out to the show or whatever, or everybody watch me, watch me. Yeah. I wasn't an artist in terms of a musician or whatever, but I wasn't there to get people to see me. So mm. I only focused on stimulating the audience. All right, well, on what's the best experience and what I would want to do, right? Oh, I'm, I'm, all right, I'm a little tired of this vibe. Let me go to this vibe. Let me go to this vibe. Like, how do I make this as immersive as possible? Control the lighting, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so then I'm like, so then I'm looking for a space to do this. Yeah. Right. And I hadn't put it together, but I was looking, I was looking, I was looking, I was looking. And then I finally found the right space that matches space, but I never thought about it because I just didn't know what the space was. I had never done any kind of event before, really. Um, and when I found a space, it clicked all of a sudden. I was like, oh shit. I'm gonna have to get a lot of people here. Cause in my mind, it could have been, I mean, I, people can't see this space, but like it, it didn't have to be big. It could like my mind, it was like a party in terms of sides. Mm -hmm. I was the only thing I didn't realize to do what I wanted to do until I found a space to do what I wanted to do. That yo, I can't just have a hundred people here. Because it's gonna feel empty as hell. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna have. It's not gonna be the experience. Yeah. So I was like, ah, shoot, man, I can't. I got. All right, I gotta get a lot of people here. All right, what I'm gonna do? Then I started thinking about things. I'm like, this ain't really no party no more. Is it? And then I was like, bro, I gotta call it a festival, like for it to feel bigger. Yeah. All right, and to start to attract people who weren't there, and I started branding and all those kind of things to, to get it there. Once I did it. Mm-hmm. I was done. That was my art. You know, the, the work was complete. Yeah. Well, I did it once. And then people were like, yo, that was so dope. Yeah. I was like, nah, bro. You don't know how long that took. <laughs> you don't yeah. know how much work I had. They went into that. Into that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it did. But people kept saying it. People kept saying it. And I quit my job and I wasn't going back. So I was like, 
let's let's run it back. Ran it ran it back eight eight we uh yeah, eight months later. Yeah. Bam, even bigger because of the organic reach after the first time. Yeah. Everybody cause the it was so different. So different. People are doing a lot of honestly, and I saw people around the city take the concepts and things like that to be real. Um mm. but like these experiences when you are in a building and going into different environments and different rooms are a little bit more common now. Still, nobody's touching on what I want to do at a whole, as a whole because mm-hmm. my vision is actually way bigger than what I, I could do. What I did originally was dilute it. Got you. And I, because I only have so much money. Resources, you know exactly. Mm-hmm. Every single time though, I got closer and closer to what I wanted to to um to look like. Yeah. So yeah, I ran it back. Because people were like, hey, all right. And I definitely wasn't going to do it the third time. Got it. I definitely wasn't going to do it the third time. You knew you weren't going to do it. You you knew when you got done with the first one, this was a masterpiece for what you could do with the resources you had. And you were like. But I wasn't even even thinking about it as like final. And like mentally, it was just like, all right, cool. You know, I did it. And it wasn't until people asked me that I realized, oh, no, no, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Like, Got I, it. I didn't, like, we can do this again. Some people was like, you should do this every month, which never would have ever been a thing like that. Mm. Just was way too much. Because um, I was fronting all the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like 90% of it. And then every single time it got bigger, still fronting the money. So the second time, did it. People say, bring, bring it back. Lost the location. Well, because of gentrification, all that stuff, all that got sold and everything. Like, if, oh. you, if you see what's there in that, that building now, because it was a dope, like, what? It was perfect. I was like, how did you find this yeah. place? <laughs> like, in the middle of, like, it was, it was like in the middle of nowhere, yet literally in the middle of the city. Right. At the same time. And it was, it was the destination. You would yeah. think, like, how did I never see this location never. Never. before this party and now, or festival? Now they got rid of that old 1920s school building or whatever and, and now it's like some you know nice new apartments right yeah. but uh but all right so i did that yeah. the second time and then but the building was gone so i definitely knew like because i didn't want to do work find a new building blah, blah blah and or and i just didn't want to do it i wasn't thinking to do it moved on had the channel that started moving got it and was doing still stuff in the tech world my homie who was like my main partner and um and really making it happen because he was the one who really had a lot of the creative direction in terms of the rooms and all that stuff he uh he kept on asking he kept on asking and, and a home girl of ours like saying yo bro you gotta do it you, you, you gotta do it and what happened was after all that no saying no the home girl started working at this warehouse and my homie josh went and you're like, yo, bro, you got to do it, bro. I found a new location. It's perfect. And the way my mind works, because remember, I said that event was creative for me. It was a creative part of me. Mm-hmm. He was like, bro, no, man. All right. He's like, no, see this space. And, man, I should have never went. Because <laughs> I told him I didn't want to do it. But that's like my homie. So it's just like, all right, bro, I'm going to go, bro. And literally, when I went, I was like, fuck. I gotta, gotta do, do it. it. I gotta do it again. <laughs> Cause I instantly yeah. like, knew everything that I would do and just how that went or whatever. But after that third time, I just still had so much momentum and things that I wanted to do and the business model of mm-hmm. what what a festival yeah. required. Mm-hmm. 
it just didn't make sense for me uh, period like personality wise mm-hmm. um, how fast I wanted certain money to come how frequently I could do it on that particular scale mm-hmm. and how many people I would have to be able to work I would have to work with for my personality consistently yeah right and just be relying on it so um, so uh, yeah I was like hey if y'all want to run this thing but and maintain the brand at this level and all that stuff bet we can do that like, mm-hmm. let y'all do that uh, but I'm gonna go do this other stuff and I'll help and advise and all that stuff but my homie didn't really want to do it mm-hmm. um, anyway you know I was and that was also when I learned in business got a true true reflection of what it looks like when you do too much yeah and you don't build a system and team around mm-hmm. around you because there was no there really was no way for me to leave that and that thing to, to keep going yeah all right but to be fair to myself, I never planned it to be big. I mean, like into like to keep going. Like I, it's weird because the way my mind works, I only did it. Like I didn't like maximize my revenue every single time I went out. I only for some reason I would only build stuff the proper way for it to start to get big, like mm-hmm. and, and get as big as possible. So it was built as a brand in the way I rebranded and all that stuff to yeah. be able to sell and all that stuff. Right. I had already started positioning and doing all that stuff. Even though I didn't know I wanted to do it, it was like for some reason I just you just think that way. It. You think yeah. foundation, right. and then it go. You you right. know it's going to be scalable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that I really didn't get to is like really for real building out a team in that in that particular way with Thinking that kind of thing in mind, mm-hmm. and and you know that that reflected as much. Yeah. Right? But it was also because I had to be convinced in the second two times, and the first time was supposed to be the only time, you know. So. But now in business, you know, you're already, you know, mentioned, okay, we got a team and like, I'm very, very much so don't do stuff alone because every time I've did stuff with people, I've did, you know, something two, three times bigger than the stuff that I've done alone. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I just period. And I do it quickly because I'm always doing stuff and doing it at a, at a pretty like, high level, but it's never as quickly and as great as what I've done when I get with some people and use the same talents yeah. to push towards a bigger vision. Dope. So I feel like if I would sum up this first part of your career journey, because there's so many different things to get into, but um, I would sum it up with you found different currents to, to go into and then you use that momentum to take you as far as you wanted it to go before you found your next project that you wanted to harness that momentum and create new growth in a new area. And I could ask you, I could ask you so many questions about how you started your YouTube page, how you started to build out um, Brand Man Sean as a brand, as a personal brand. I can even ask you what you do for your, your clients individually. But I think what's really, really interesting um, would be to hear how you went from, you also mentioned this, this um, earlier in your story, you talked about you were a hustler at six. And I always talk about there's a difference between a hustler and an entrepreneur. So I would say you're, the first half of your career, or actually the first part is you building this infrastructure and this concept of scalability. Um, and even like your own aptitude to, to build things as an entrepreneur. And I swear, self-awareness, when, like when we go back and look at this video, this video <laughs> self-awareness is crazy. Yeah. So my question is actually, when did you start to, um, when did you start to move from kind of B to C, in a sense, to B to B and start thinking more agency-like? 
So I'm skipping, I'm skipping a whole chunk of like that YouTube growth, your individual personal brand, you building like out other people's personal brands and then helping them kind of watch them grow in your like institution type um, community. But then there was a, a time where you as an entrepreneur decided, I, I want to do more big ticket contracts. Right. I'm, a, I'm imagining. So right. what did that growth look like? And I, and I don't want to layer in too many questions, but I think team like that teamwork is probably in there in a nuance of how you establish that. Yeah, well, for my, me, again, I alluded to this earlier. It was really about the function of there's only but so much like that was the most important part right that i could do in terms of education without taking the agency seriously because mm. part of agency i tell i talk to my partner about this all the time I'm like hey bro agencies are a low margin business it's a high labor low margin it's a lot of work low margin and i come from a tech way of thinking where i tell people all the time like whatsapp had not, uh, 50 employees when they sold for 19 billion all right now everything can't be whatsapp or whatever but it's still just the scalability on tech is ridiculous mm. so like service service oh like, like it just didn't make sense right? Got it. um and then you go back to having to deal with so much people um so many people and their own agendas even if it's not like people no matter if people come to you mm -hmm. right, people come to you in the agency world right and then they don't want to do the stuff that they're paying you for it was just like i i, I I didn't like that, right? In terms mm -hmm. of just if I didn't have to, but once I get a vision for something, just like I didn't want to do the adventure ATL again, but once the vision's there, it's like bam, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's how I move into those currents that you're talking about. Like the, once the vision's there, I'm not even. I just bam, 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 connect all the dots. Mm -hmm. So that for me was understanding, yo, to take this network opportunity as huge as it can go the to be in the best position also need to take this agency seriously i was basically doing a mini agency you know uh unwillingly because just making money to to live mm -hmm. but i wasn't doing it seriously and how an agency would have to build need to be built out so one that marketed opportunity made me say all right cool i need how, how do i need to build this out what does this need to look like um being able to link with my partner helped with that extremely um a, a whole lot because i had somebody else who understood a lot of that vision and and, and wanted to do many of the same things mm -hmm. and um and then from there my environment is if you can hustle that's one thing and then if you can start building in, in music especially, there's a lot of things that you can do, all right? Like in, in, a, in a lot of other industries. I'm talking about from business, business side. Not, not as talent necessarily, because that's just a different space. But like from, as a, from a business acumen standpoint, you can do that mm -hmm. in music. Because mm -hmm. the margins are so slim in general. I talk about slim margins. Like the music industry in general, like you can be working with an artist that has... You know, big shows, Grammys, everybody knows, loves them, and they and them artists is making millions. And then the label will be like, "Hey, man, yeah, we got three three thousand dollars, you know, for you to work." This <laughs> is like that's how like cheap, right? A lot of yeah. influencers like to work with companies versus uh, the music industry because okay. music, you know, co companies, you know what the budgets look like at 
the Deltas, the like all those brands. Yeah. Music is like an eighth of that. Wow. So, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh. Right. So if you can do that in that like hyperbolic chamber, this 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 tight environment, um, then you can really get some things done. But a part of creating that space and that flexibility was it's this marriage, right? The education side, it's not as labor, so it also helps create certain margins that you can't do on the agency side. The agency creates um, just certain acumen, skill set, and, and insight that you, can, you won't necessarily get on the other side. Mm. All right, so understanding that pairing, that's just like a loose way to, uh, to say it. And then... And then um, understanding the market opportunity in in the agent on the agency side. Once I saw, even in the outside of the the connection with the, the, uh, the education company, I saw some market market opportunities and for where agen- agencies need to involve to better serve the clients. Mm-hmm. That's when I said, okay, I could do this B two B thing. But if you like, kind of like analyze everything I said, it goes back to what are the opportunities there. All right. What what does the margin look like? What business model needs to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and what will it be benefiting? Can we create a, a, an environment where a company can be built versus just me doing this solo? Okay, you check off certain boxes. The vision's there, and it makes sense. Let's go. Let let's go do it. And then everything comes down into the specifics of what an agency looks like in that B two B world. But for mm. me, I'm oftentimes like just following. A uh, like basic economics. That's mm. what it comes out. Like everything is economics to me. Okay. What would you say um, for, I guess, on your education side? So for, um, what would you say is the biggest result? Like, what would you say the that clients come to you? Like, the biggest result that clients come to you for on the B two C side as well as the B two B side. B two B B two C is. Either increasing their social media followers or increasing their streams. Everybody wants streams and music. The the B two B side is the exact same thing, mm-hmm. except there's an additional like I need somebody who can do this consistently. Or there's people who are at a, are already at a certain level that it's not about build me up from scratch. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's about all right. How do I capitalize on this new moment? How do I move my brand into a new audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a little bit more nuanced, but it still is broken down into, well, now I need to increase my streams in this audience. Mm-hmm. I need to increase my visibility in this particular audience first, it being my first audience that I mm-hmm. need to do that with. But the mechanics are the same. And the last thing I'll say with the B2B side is also because you're working with another business, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking for... A lot of times, convenience, right, and trust, because mm-hmm. oftentimes they might have the capability of maybe hiring or figuring out. But I was like, how do, I just need to find somebody who can do this where I don't have to focus on it. Yeah, and because I want to manage or where's my strength in my business? Who else can handle this? And we're here for that as well. Mm. Like that's our ideal customer. A lot of times on that side, like yeah, you can do this, but you don't want to do this, All right? Yeah. Let, let us take that off your hands. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. Got it. All right. So 
I think we have, a, we, we've talked a lot about like your journey. I think that's the most, nah, it's no most interesting. It's just all of it intertwined. And there's so many other questions I could possibly ask you, but I'm dying for myself to understand how, or I'll give you a little context. Well, I'll give you the point first and then I'll bring it to context. For myself, I'm really curious to know your perspective on how you either envision or currently manage that fun side that like that I, I used to see when we used to hang out more so years ago um, with this huge growth that you are starting to see as a business person and the future goals that you have as an organization slash empire. Right. And the reason I ask you that is because I remember before I really tapped into my entrepreneurial journey, like I was just corporate and I would see you come through and we would just be hanging out and you would go duck off and be on your computer doing what you need to do or you would be building your YouTube page. Now that I'm 100% into this, I feel it. I feel that I, I could be around friends, I could do whatever, but I'm always working on my business. And so I'm in this space where I've, I always wanna balance. These conversations help me balance work and play, right? But I also understand how as I get further and more built out, yeah. I want to maintain that level of jovial, um, jovialism, jovialistic. I don't know if that's the <laughs> word. I want to maintain that level of play in what I do because I, I, I feel like I would be following in your footsteps, but I'd be remiss if I were to forget about this interaction and what feeds my soul so you're a father you're um, a spouse a partner you're a business partner and you're a brother a family member and you're a friend so as you find all this business success where do you find that that level of play and how do you infuse it into everything you do or just a few things that you do well when it comes to doing business successfully the best way to begin doing it right in terms of the fun part is doing it poorly, all right? Mm -hmm. And because I've done a poor job in maintaining the fun part of myself, all right? But that comes from, from what's necessity in the business. So people oftentimes compare it to like having a baby. And I've always heard that, but I ain't had no baby before. <laughs> so, but now I had a baby. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I understand the level of nurturing and attention to detail. I know intellectually, but being in it now, I definitely get it a lot more, right? Um, of how, why people use that as an analogy for business, because there's just moments of time that it has to just be this. Mm -hmm. Nothing else can matter, right? And then the goal then becomes, as you get to certain levels is, all right, how do I continue to build my business out? where I can put myself in positions that I have is jovial, all right? Because there's one st some stages of business where you have to spend so many times in stuff that aren't your strength, right? And, and, and things that you don't necessarily like doing mm -hmm. that, like, it's just going to drain you. Mm. Right? you. Or you can't be able to focus on just that, 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 that recharge in the same way, mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about moving at a certain speed. Mm. But... Um, what happens is, like, what? All right, here's one of my things that I always hold on to. As someone who never wanted to work a job, I actually had one job that I loved, and that was working at Europe. Mm. Um, and that was the one job I always tell people my experience because of the good that it was doing, um, the little actual position, right, and the and the people I was working with, which is where I learned 
these are the things that you need to really enjoy. Like people can be in a, a big company and people say it's great, but they're in the wrong part of the company with the wrong boss. Trash. And it can be the reverse. Mm-hmm. Right. So I learned that one, I could definitely love what I'm doing day to day, but it was the most emotionally taxing and emotionally invigorating experience. Mm-hmm. Right. At the same time. Mm-hmm. So that kept me going. I would literally, you guys, Courtney, it'll be days when I'm like, man, I'm bored, man. I can't wait till Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like, go back to school, do <laughs> these kids. Mother. But so now it's like, how do I build that in my own job? Yeah. Right. That I'm doing now. Yeah. In the business. Because mm-hmm. yes, I'm in control of a lot of things and building things out, but there's still seasons. And now that I have more people on my team, I'm not there yet. Like I just told you earlier, actually. Yeah infrastructure i'm still so much on that part where i'm doing things that i'm good at but it's not that part that oh this is just yeah you know where he just wake up and he alive to and everything he does is just giving him energy i'm not spending no time well, or very very small time on the things that that take away or slow me down because yeah. i like I, I move at a pretty fast speed mm-hmm. um, naturally and pretty high energy so to kind of like summarize that and why i said all that again is one there's a phase where there ain't no balance right and people a lot of times i actually say this after so not so i don't interrupt it there's a phase that there's no balance and then you get to a point where you start to have a lot of leverage uh, you have more control mm-hmm. and you can start creating what looks like balance all right it becomes your balance for life because mm-hmm. even if you're working you can start putting yourself in a position where the things that you're working on are the mm-hmm. things that energize you mm-hmm. all right the things that you're just playing a game almost because you're winning and getting better at the thing that you want to get better at yeah right and and that just becomes the life and you have other people to handle more and more of the other spaces that's what balance begins to look like. And then you have family and things like that. It's like, how do you add that in, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you do that exact same concept within your family? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do I really, the thing that just matters is spending the time with my family, right? And, and being at certain things. Well, shoot, now I see why people have a cook, have a... Uh, a maid and all, all these other things you start to yeah. do the exact same thing in that space mm-hmm. so now on a business personal life side it's all just it's all just the stuff that matters most to you yeah all right and then obviously the the, the 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 frame stuff in general because when you have something taking your energy that much like look at, looking at my girl right okay taking a, taking care of a baby mm-hmm. and obviously the woman far more in, in terms of like what they do and have to go through mm-hmm. don't have the energy to even have fun at some certain points right yeah and it's that same way in business where you're just so taxed okay. you don't have the energy to um, have that fun but, so you have to go through that phase and don't rob yourself of the bigger win by trying to maintain balance right throughout the process you have to go through those seasons just like raising a child all those other things hey look just uh, a good example of success and oh the kids are out the house right but how long did it get take to, to get to get to that yeah but now you're doing whatever you want to do right yeah. that's like big successful company yo you done made that money and now you're just doing whatever you want to do mm-hmm. but people mess up because they keep listening to rich people talk about <laughs> their stuff that they doing <laughs> and they but they're not talking about and looking at the stuff they did to get there yeah like, oh balance and oh, spirituality <laughs> 
But she didn't do all that to get there. <laughs> right. It and did not look that beautiful it didn't look like that. when you were younger. The reason she talking and talking going so hard on it now yeah. is because she went through some ugly shit. Yeah. Right. To get there. Right. But it was necessary to get there. Yeah. But that's why she's going so hard on this work life balance or he or whatever, you know, or and all this stuff now. Yeah. But they're not but they're in a place where that balance won't interrupt anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, some people be trying to balance and then you, you balance, you really can't put much into anything. So none of it's gonna go to a high level. You just right. Yeah. Mediocre at everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm actually dying to ask you another question now. So uh, of course, I don't have kids yet, yeah. and of course, I don't even have a husband yet. So, uh, or said said on you, right? It's in the universe. Right, you, know, you just haven't found you. Yet. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm gonna ask. I got, I'm asking a very granular question. So, all of that is coming, yeah. but I'm just curious about your growth in that you established a certain level of success in, as an entrepreneur, and then you had a baby, right? At this level where you had your baby and the level of success you've reached, do you feel like you gave yourself a, a running start enough on your business to continue that growth on your business and at a good place where you can still watch the baby grow? Or do you feel like, ah, there could have been a little bit more closing of the gap there if I had gotten a little bit more success and then had the baby or had the baby earlier as I was working on? Like, How much overlap should there be when a person wants to have a baby as an entrepreneur? I can't give nobody personal advice. <laughs> That's whatever you got going on and what you want to do in your personal decisions, like that timing of it. Yeah. Um, but when it happens, it's going to happen and there's just things that can't be compromised. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to spend a certain amount of time. There's going to be some nights to crying and all that stuff where you literally just don't have that time of business. So I say maintain that choice mm. as long as you have that choice because you'll lose a lot of choices once you have a kid. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Maintain that choice as long as you can. I think as a woman entrepreneur, it's, I'm curious how that, that uh, take things as they go mentality is going to work, especially when like... What do you mean? Well, so as a man, you, well, as a man, you, you talk about the difference between you and... Um, your your partner and how you guys are able well how she's better at like the natural mommy stuff right mm -hmm. so that can sometimes be taxing for you right because you're either focused on the business and that allows you to to let her do the taxing stuff for the baby sometimes and then come in and do daddy stuff too but as women we're good at doing the mommy stuff mm -hmm. and sometimes we overextend and we do really well at the business stuff too mm -hmm. so just the give and take the the um you only have two eyes and 24 hours type of thing as a as the one who's the best with the and i might not even be the best with my kid let's just be <laughs> whatever but as the woman uh sometimes we are the one who are best with the kids mm -hmm. and we have to figure out how to balance so i think for me sometimes i wonder and you know women are also very super analytical when we come to these things everything has to be the right time we've got the biological clock we got all this stuff and so that's probably why i asked you the question about like hmm would i want to have a baby in the next year or so I'm, i really feel like i would probably want five years of success in my business <laughs> before i wanted to bring a baby no, that's in. real you would at least need to be like the, the most ideal situation is at the not the most ideal the at the the lowest ideal right is at least being in, in a position where you have some level of momentum and clarity right, mm -hmm. of what scale looks like mm. and start building towards that. Okay. All right. Like for me, 
All right, now I was like, oh, nine months. Now we got to really go. But right before that happened, I'd already got the clarity, like a month before she was conceived or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that was cool. It was like, I'm working on that. Now I just got to work even faster. Right? Um, yeah. So, and I'm building momentum. Everything is momentum, 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 and, and not clipping that. But mm-hmm. if I was still in a period where I'm just trying to find what I, what I want to do, it would feel... I can't even imagine where I where I would be. You know what I'm saying? That would be a whole other space. Yeah. Most ideal, yo, you know, we making a certain amount of money. Right. And things are there. Right now, so much of the money is invested right back into the business. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'd much rather hire somebody that makes more than me and I can have a peace of mind mm-hmm. to focus on the parts that I need to versus pay myself more. And you know, stymie the growth of the business at this point. Yeah. So we're not. I'm not even in a place where I'm really capitalizing and making that much money. The business is doing well. The trajectory is 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 nice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. But this this ain't this ain't what is it? Harvest or whatever. Which, which yeah. One? This isn't the season of harvest. Yeah. This ain't that season, right? I now. got I'm you. Not picking up the bags. So <laughs> Still. <letting> <laughs> You've planted the seeds and you're just letting it grow. This has been such an amazing conversation. I appreciate everything you've shared with me from your story, the stuff that I had no clue about, and then even some some life lessons that I can take. (laughs) I remember calling you when I was getting ready. I was like, should I apply for Europe? I really think this is an awesome organization. Life took me another direction, but I've always been... um, wanting to pick your brain in so many different places of this journey so i'm honored this has been awesome so one of the things that i like to do on the uh, podcast is actually reach back as we move forward we're gunning forward i never want us to forget about the people who are behind us on their way Mm -hmm. and i particularly think about for you the young people at at europe who you probably haven't seen in, in so long and are still on their journey of making them making something of themselves so as you think about, um, as we close out, I want you to just kind of think about your wisdom, your, your brand man, Sean Wisdom, <laughs> and reach back to uh, someone who is on their journey. Either they haven't gotten started or they're still, they still haven't reached that level of clarity and they need a little bit of inspiration or information or insight to make the next step. So what would you say to that person? Who would that person be and what would you say? I don't quite know the details of where some of them are to reach to to tell talk too much on them but okay well i know one of them uh, for sure so shanice has this dope business called nice scent they candles y'all check those candles out period they're really dope like i'm not like it, it helped me become a candle person because i'm not a candle person but I love, I love hers and she's really been doing her thing, staying consistent in the business. So number one is like, yo, like actually stay doing it. Cause most people don't don't last that long. People have nice ideas. They even do it one time and then, you know, but but it, the, the difficulty is hard to maintain it. So just, mm-hmm. just keep that because you're dope already. What you're doing is dope. And then now like focus on what scale might look like and building beyond yourself. And I'm sure she's done that already to a certain extent, but without knowing all the, the details, like continue to focus on what scale looks like and make those hard decisions um, that are required because growing, right, whether it's the amount of products you have, the amount of, or the type of people you're working with or having to leave some partnerships 
and focus on a different line of partnership, whatever that looks like in the candle business, you know what I'm saying? If you want to grow it to, to big, big money, figure that out, study, and, and, and make that decision for your business. That's lit. And you got real specific. There's somebody out there who you don't, they don't even you don't even know, but they got they also have a candle business. And they was like, I just I needed to have that conversation today. So, <laughs> so, so again, I just want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank y'all for watching. You had some good questions. You know what I'm saying? You good at this. I don't know what episodes you did, but keep this thing up too. Hey, I will. That I'm looks reaching, I, I'm reaching sideways. Look, seriously, <laughs> I took that. I took that for sure. So if the folks want to follow you, stay connected with you, or just continue to watch your growth, how can they get connected with you? At Brand Man Sean on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Also, I'm, I'm about to go be TikTok famous right now. So hey. at Brand Man Sean on TikTok too. You know, check me out over there. And Everything else would find his way. You'll get hit with an ad or something. Because so. <laughs> he is the man for that as well. So if y'all have any questions, we are definitely going to be doing the replay. The replay. I can't wait for the live replay with you. But we're going to. Live right now? No, no, no. Oh, we're oh going <laughs> to. <laughs> we're going to do the live replay as soon as this episode launches. So I'll be able to get you back and have another conversation with you. But until next time, thank y'all for watching. Thank you for listening. Until next time, peace out.